This is The Shift Podcast. Thanks for checking out The Shift Weekend Podcast with John Zhang. And on this episode, we commemorate the 70th anniversary of the Battle of Kapyong, in which 20,000-plus Canadian soldiers answered the call of duty during the Korean War. I chat with Murray Edwards, a retired major and Korean War veteran. Are you okay with LeVar Burton having gin with Ryan Reynolds? What about double masking? And a conversation with Jerry Viterados, a national tax specialist with ufile.ca, explaining how you can properly claim your COVID-19 benefits on your 2020 tax return. And the Big Jang Theory. Is there a right way to use celebrity power and influence to inspire the public to do the right thing during the pandemic? That's all here on the Shift Daily Podcast. April 22nd was an important anniversary because it marked the 70th anniversary of the Battle of Kapyong. And I realize you probably don't know what that is, and I don't blame you, because the Korean War has been called the Forgotten War. It's a terrible nickname, but it was sandwiched between World War II and the Vietnam War, which, as we know, are two major conflicts in human history. But for South Koreans, the Forgotten War is a misnomer. It will never be forgotten. For the 20,000-plus Canadians that answered the call, soldiers that went overseas, they will never be forgotten. For the 516 Canadians that made the ultimate sacrifice in Korea, they will forever be honored. So please take the next several minutes to learn more about the Battle of Kapyong. Retired Major Murray Edwards is a survivor of the Korean War. And 70 years ago, he took part in the Battle of Kapyong. Well, at the time, I was the uh, battalion intelligence officer. And I was with the uh, Colonel Stone, the commanding officer. Like many of his fellow soldiers, Edwards did his duty, even if it took him to a strange and faraway land. Well, as a matter of fact, uh, most of us had never heard of Korea. Oh, I, I knew that it was going to be a, a, a conflict. Uh, I mean, having uh, lived through World War II, uh, I had no uh, illusions about what we were going to face. What the Canadians faced at the Battle of Kapyong was the combined firepower of the Chinese and North Korean armies. With United Nations forces determined to hold on to the important Kapyong Valley, Edwards and the Canadians did what the South Koreans and even the U.S. Marines could not, which was successfully holding their position against countless communist forces. The uh, American unit uh, was retreating uh, before the uh, uh, Koreans, and uh, we were in a, a, a what we might call a blocking position and covered the American retreat and then were able to stop the, the Korean advance. The three-day-long battle tested the Canadians in combat. At one point, their position was completely surrounded by Chinese and North Korean troops, and the only way to stock up on supplies was to request an airdrop on their position. But such gambles paid off, and through sheer determination, courage, and strategic positioning, the Canadians shattered the communist advance. But had history gone another way, and if the Canadians had somehow lost their position, Murray believes the entire war could have turned sideways. Oh, very much so. And if it had happened, of course, the country would have been completely communist. Although Edwards hadn't previously heard of Korea before arriving with the rest of the 2nd Battalion to help in the war, 
one thing immediately stuck out to him when he met the beleaguered Korean citizens. Once we were there, one of the things that uh, oh, is outstanding in my memory uh, are the people in Korea, generous in uh, their relationship and made no bones about the fact that they appreciated what was being done for them. And I think uh, at the time for many uh, South Koreans, uh, it was a very bewildering period. Something, you know, that they'd never under experienced, never expected. According to Edwards, those messages of thanks and gratitude have never stopped, not even after 70 years. And uh, the nice part of it is the, the people themselves uh, still appreciate what was done all those years ago. They've, re they've remained uh, appreciative right to this day. They're still saying thank you. I spoke with the Consulate General of the Republic of Korea in Vancouver, Pyongyang, about the role that Canadians played in the Korean War and the significance of their presence. I think it, it, it's huge. When you know the Korean War broke out in 1950, the Canadian government responded very quickly by sending 27,000 troops. This number is especially significant for two reasons. It made Canada the second biggest troop contributor, and it represents over a quarter of the Canadian army, which only had around 100,000 troops at the time. And 516 Canadian soldiers lost their lives fighting in the war, the supreme sacrifice. Canadian soldiers bravely fought in significant operations and battles like the Battle of Gapyeong, where they protected Korean capital Seoul from capture. Without the support of Canada in the war, I think Korea would not be thriving democracy as it is today. The Consulate General confirmed what Marie had told me, that even to this day, both the Korean government and the Korean people remain eternally grateful to their Canadian allies. Korean citizens know the sacrifice and service of Canadian veterans very well and will never forget their contribution. To express the gratitude of Korean citizens, the Korean government hosts a revisit program that pays for Canadian veterans to travel to Korea and allow them to witness how peaceful modern-day Korea is. Thank thanks to their brave actions. The government also offers many programs and services to veterans and their descendants to display our never-ending appreciation. For example, throughout the pandemic, our government has sent over 100,000 KF-94 masks to Canadian veterans and their descendants across Canada. The Consulate General stressed the importance of honoring those brave Canadians who answered the call 70 years ago. In celebrating this anniversary with commemorative ceremonies, I hope that we bring awareness to this important moment in our shared history. And it is important to look back on history to honor the sacrifices of so many Canadian soldiers. They came to the help of Koreans in our most difficult time. And as Consul General, I think it is my duty to express the gratitude of the Korean people. Now 101 years old, Murray Edwards lives at the Veterans Lodge in Victoria. But he told me that he had the chance to visit Korea some years ago and return to the Kapyong Valley. It was, uh, how should I put it, 
It was from night to day. It was a very primitive country when I was there. When I went back, uh, it moved into the 20th century. And while Edwards laughed off any suggestion that he was a hero, our conversation ended with him telling me this. No, but looking back, we were we were just happy that we were at the right place at the right time. My thanks to retired Major Murray Edwards, who spoke with me in preparation for uh, this particular feature, uh, which originally aired on 980 CKNW in Vancouver on Thursday the 22nd to commemorate again the 70th anniversary of the Battle of Cap Young, uh, a part of the Korean War and a vital battle in which Canadians were tremendously successful in holding their position against countless numbers of communist forces who had broken through the South Korean line. They had broken through the United States Marines and their line. The Canadians held when many other forces could not. And the stories that Murray had shared with me uh, just left me speechless. As a Korean Canadian, I thank Murray. I thank all the Canadians that answered the call, like I said. And I thank Canadians for their generosity uh, ever since and the, the shared partnership that our two nations have. I mean, for me, obviously, I'm biased as a Korean Canadian. It means so, so much. But it's just so beautiful and powerful, uh, the sacrifices made by those 516 Canadians who never, unfortunately, got to come home. Harry and Mississauga texting, my father served in the Korean War. I, for one, will never forget. Henry, my thanks to you and your father. Um, unbelievable. Just the fact that Canadians answered the call and went to, like I said, a strange, foreign, faraway land. Let's connect with one of our listeners calling in. It's Tom out in Calgary. Tom, welcome to The Shift. Thank you, John. Good evening. Or good morning, Hello. I should say. Yeah, <laughs> depends where you are, I suppose. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm calling in about your article on Cap Young. Yes, sir. And I just wanted to say that the unit that was responsible for the defense of the Capillon Valley was the 2nd Battalion, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. That's correct. Now, Se- yep, 2nd PPCLI, yeah. Right, 2nd Pickleys. Um, they received, as an honor for that, uh, the only Canadian unit to ever get the presidential citation wow. from the President of the United States. And they're the only ones that actually wear it to this day. They wear it on the uh, shoulders of their uniform right underneath their Canada flash. That's amazing. I actually didn't know that myself. Did they receive that honor as a result of their fighting and their service in the Korean War? Yes, they did. Oh, that's tremendous. I, uh, I, I, I do know, like, I'm not much of a military buff in terms of knowing the histories of specific battalions. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I do know, Tom, is that the uh, second or, yeah, you know, just the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry, they are considered to be one of the most legendary Canadian forces uh, in the entire military that we have in Canada, if I'm not mistaken here. That's correct. They are. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, spent, I, uh, I spent two years attached to the 2nd Battalion when it was in Winnipeg before I moved to Shiloh, Manitoba. And right. that was the first thing they, I'm not going to say drilled into you, but they let you know exactly the history of the, of the regiment. Right. And, and Tom, uh, am I understanding correctly that you are, you also served previously? Yeah, I served uh, two years with the Princess Pats as a uh, medical technician, a medic, and uh, then they sent me Navy after that. So I did uh, 23 years total in the forces. 
Amazing. Tom, uh, I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, and I'm sure on behalf of Matt here as well, we thank you so much for your service and doing what you did for the wonderful country that we live in. Thank you. Well, it was a pleasure. It was my honor. Perfect. Tom, thank you so much for the call here tonight. That is uh, Tom in Calgary. Uh, Just a great lesson there. I actually did not know that, and I wish I had done a little bit more research so that I could have provided some of that background context into the audio feature that you heard. But it's great that we have uh, Canadians like Tom listening who are able to provide some of that background information. Because look, I, I always want to admit to you, I am not an expert. What I do get paid to do is share opinions, come up with fun little audio features sometimes. In this case, it was more serious than it was fun, but that's why I love this show. The beauty of this show is that it's across this country. We have Canadians of many different backgrounds, of many different life experiences, and certainly I have nothing but the most highest respect and admiration for Canadians who have served in our armed forces, who continue to serve in our armed forces, making sure that we enjoy the freedoms and privileges of today uh, by, of course, doing all that needs to be done, protecting Canada domestically and abroad. For that, we say thank you. This is The Shift Podcast. Are you okay with LeVar Burton? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, reading Rainbow, Star Trek The Next Generation. I feel like, you know, Jordy LaForge is the Matt MacArthur yeah. of the Starship Enterprise. Because, <laughs> you know, well he was, said. Yeah, he was, he's always trying to, you know, smash that dilithium, you know, chamber into shape. He's, you know, just stressed 24 um, 7. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm totally cool with LeVar Burton, man. He's a, a, just a wonderful dude. Yeah, I mean, hey, uh, Jordy, the role that he played on the Enterprise, uh, obviously just irreplaceable, uh, had a great character arc, great story. But LeVar Burton himself, a fantastic human, right? And and this is just beyond like his actual acting career. Like there are some actors and celebrities that as they get older and as they age, they either fade out or they do some ridiculous controversial things, right? Like look at Mel Gibson, look at many other actors who have been in the spotlight. Whereas with LeVar Burton, I feel like most of us can agree that he's just been a really stand-up guy. Are you okay with LeVar Burton? All right, well, take a listen to this. Maybe uh, maybe this will perk you up. Everybody's been saying how great LeVar Burton is. So I decided to have him step in for me as spokesperson for Aviation Gin. LeVar? Thanks, Ryan. The smooth, refreshing taste of Aviation American Gin. For an out-of-this-world gin and tonic. Mmm. Oh. Mmm. Now that man is a goddamn national treasure. He's probably too good for us. What do you mean, too good? LeVar! What? You can hear me. Usually it's just me in here. It's so dark. (laughs) Welcome to hell. This isn't going to work out, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so uh, Ryan Reynolds, who I think most of us can... I I think most of us can agree. um, One of the top Canadians of the day uh, has somehow managed to, I guess, recruit trick convinced LeVar into becoming uh, a new spokesperson for his brand of uh, gin called Aviation. That was a new commercial that they rolled out with. And I got to say, I love this mashup. I love this mashup. Uh, Ryan Reynolds with his very unique sense of humor where it's kind of dark, very witty, a little twisted, 
and LeVar as the straight man, like together, those two, there's a potential for a sitcom, right? Like, am, am, I, am I wrong? Like Ryan and LeVar, like I would watch that. Yeah, I mean, if, uh, you know, if LeVar doesn't get the gig, the Jeopardy gig, then maybe they can, uh, yeah, do a little sitcom there. Very well said. So the internet rallied and basically had this petition going. Uh, they wanted LeVar Burton as a guest host on Jeopardy, which has been confirmed. He even said it himself on Twitter. Thanks to the internet, LeVar Burton will indeed be guest hosting Jeopardy at some point. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Will he be a permanent host? That remains to be determined. There's been a lot of solid contributors so far, even like Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, surprisingly good. I'll say. So the competition is pretty stiff. But with that in mind, let's bring it back. Are you okay? All right. Yeah. You know, we're speaking of Star Trek, the next generation, Star Trek Enterprise. What about rocket ships? Are you okay with rocket ships? Ooh. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're essential in uh, space exploration. I think, you know, our our science manager, Steve Ferreira, would agree. Um, yeah, rocket ships, you know, as long as nothing, you know, goes wrong with them, uh, I'm all I'm all up for rocket ships. I wouldn't go in a rocket ship, but oh. I'm, I, you know, I like I like the ground, you know, I like I like the earth. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I guess you didn't you never wanted to be like an astronaut when you were growing up as a kid. Uh, nah, never, you know, it's it's a big scary universe out there well said <laughs> i've got well said we've, i've got enough to worry about here on earth I, there's a lot more a lot more worry out in space <laughs> growing up one of my favorite toys was a model of a space shuttle uh the space shuttle to me was like the most iconic form of rocket ships out there because it looked great uh the whole fact that it could open up once it's in space the cannon arm could you know also unravel throughout the space shuttle like that it was just so cool are you okay with spaceships? Well, one had quite the day earlier on Friday. Take a listen. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Mission and liftoff. Godspeed, Endeavor and Crew 2. Copy, 1 Alpha. Endeavour launches once again. Four astronauts from three countries on Crew 2 now making their way to the one and only International Space Station. Vehicle is pitching downrange. Nine Merlin engines on the first stage providing 1.7 million pounds of thrust. Hearing good calls on first stage performance so far. So that audio was just the, the launch off sequence from Endeavor taking off from Florida on its way to the International Space Station, uh, a successful launch conducted by, you guessed it, no, not NASA. SpaceX, yeah, Elon Musk's space program, uh, which had also recently been awarded that big, almost $3 billion contract from NASA to get humans back on the moon. So quite a day. And if you grew up enjoying watching space launches, rocket ships, shuttles, all that stuff, uh, the kid in you would have been happy to see that successful launch in Miami. I believe it's Miami. Uh, earlier today, or I mean, technically, depending on where you live, earlier on Friday. So congratulations to all the uh, members involved with that one. And uh, we wish all the astronauts involved a space 
space, a safe trip to the International Space Station. All right, one more here very quickly. Are you okay? Are you okay with double masking? Double masking. Yeah, I mean, I guess when it comes to double bagging, I mean, double masking, you know, you gotta, <laughs> um, pardon me, um, you know, if you don't want something bad to happen, put double the protection on. Exactly. Well said. No <laughs> innuendos there whatsoever. Some, some advice from your Uncle Matt there. There, Oh, Uncle Matt coming through big time with that one. Hey, if you want to avoid a slip up, uh, just double up. I think that's a, a good term here. Double masking. Uh, we're talking about this specifically because of, well, COVID-19, not something that, uh, well, actually, I guess maybe you could encounter it in the bedroom. That said, why are we talking about double masking? Well, it has to do what we're learning about India. Tonight, the CDC is out with new evidence that shows just how important it is that your mask fits in helping to protect you from the virus. The CDC conducted experiments to assess two ways of improving the fit of masks. First, wearing a medical procedure mask and then fitting a cloth mask over it. Second, wearing a medical procedure mask and knotting the ear loops, then tucking in the extra material close to the face. Each scenario could reduce the risk of transmission by more than 95%. The bottom line is this. Masks work, and they work best when they have a good fit and are worn correctly. The proper use of masks and getting more people vaccinated, all the more critical with new variants raging across the country. Now, obviously, this is... uh... A little disconcerting for those that uh, don't want to hear about uh, the mutant strains, the hybrids, more variants. But I've been going this entire time wearing a single mask, a disposable mask. Maybe it's time we start thinking about doubling up just that standard procedure because, hey, better safe than sorry, as Matt was putting it so eloquently in terms of what might happen to you and uh, certain bedroom experiences. I'll leave it at that. It's the Shift Podcast. Depending on where you live. You've got less than a week now to get your tax return filed. Deadline is actually Friday the 30th, and this year things are a little bit more complicated. So if you were on CERB, whether that's CERB, CRB, or EI, what are the things that you need to know? If you qualify for COVID-19 benefits, what are they? How can you secure them for your tax return? Our guest now joining us here on the program can actually help answer those questions. He is Jerry Viterados, National Tax Specialist with ufile.ca. Appreciate you giving us some time here on the show tonight. Thank you very much for having me. Now, as we know, uh, the uh, deadline is quickly approaching for Canadians at the end of this month. And Jerry, it's no surprise COVID-19 has changed basically everything in our lives. Uh, I'm going to boldly assume that our tax return this year is no different. So what are some of the major changes that Canadians need to know about this year uh, when it comes to their tax returns uh, for those especially that are still maybe procrastinating and putting it off? So there are two basic changes to, to the tax return. Now, one that was announced uh, late last year was is related to those who are affected by the pandemic and had to work from home uh, during that time. And, and of course, a lot of us still are. I myself, I'm still at home uh, working from home uh, as well. Uh, so essentially, what the government has done is they've introduced you know a, a new component, as we could call it, of home office expenses. So. Uh, employees, you know, employees back in the day can claim employment expenses as well based on their home office.
office, uh, based on their home office. This is not new. What the government has done as a change is that they've introduced a simplified way or a more simplified way of claiming that deduction. So essentially, what the government has done is as long as you're required to work from home for more than 50% of the time for at least four consecutive weeks, you can now deduct up to $2 per day for every workday you were required to work from home on your tax return. And the maximum of that deduction is $400 on your tax return. So that's great news because it is, uh, it is really a simplified way. The government is not going to ask you for any proof. They're not going to ask you for any documents from your employer. All you have to do is simply you know, confirm with them that uh, you were required to work uh, from your home uh, for at least four consecutive weeks, and you could claim every workday that you work from home under $2, essentially with a $2 a day deduction. Now, the old method that, we, that now the government calls the detailed method of home office expenses, you can also claim this year as well. And of course, for many Canadians, uh, for those who are listening to us right now, there's going to be new people that are eligible for that deduction as well. So they have the choice of choosing between deducting actual expenses that they, that, that, that they have for their home office, for example, their rent, uh, their heat, uh, you know, uh, supplies, etc. So all these become deductible, or you can go with what we call the flat rate method, uh, which is essentially $2 per day for every workday that you're required to work from home. Now, the second thing is for those who have received the benefits so, so we're talking about a CRB, CERB, employment insurance, the sick leave, for example. Because of COVID-19, well, for those individuals, it is very likely they will have a balance owing on their tax return. And the reason for that is because for the CERB, for example, that was a benefit that was paid last year, there were no deductions at source. So unfortunately, if you receive those benefits and you have other income on your tax return, you've automatically underpaid on your tax return. Okay? You've automatically underpaid your, tax, your taxes for the year. So if you have a balance owing and you receive those benefits, the government announced, thankfully, an interest holiday. So like you mentioned, the deadline has not been extended, but you don't have to pay your balance owing right away. You can wait until the 30th of April of next year to pay that balance owing. Oh, that's uh, really good news for, I'm sure, a lot of Canadians that are uh, wondering and how they're figuring out those benefits that you mentioned, CERB, that's CERB and CRB, as well as EI. Uh, going back to your original point about the work-from-home situation, um, just to clarify, you cannot claim both the simplified and the detailed method, right? It has to be one or the other? Yes, it, it's, it's a choice. So what the government is simply giving you as a choice is, Either go with the, I'm going to call it, you know, again, under quotations, a no questions asked deduction, meaning the flat rate deduction. So again, you're required to work from home. You did this for at least four consecutive weeks in the year in 2020. You are allowed to get $2 for every work day that you work from home up until a maximum of $400. All right, so that's, that's the first option that you have. The second option is what I would call the old method, because again, this is nothing new. Home office expenses is not a new concept. Okay, what the, what the new concept is, is the flat rate. But, but what you're, but you're still allowed the old method, which the government calls the detailed method. And in that case, what happens is you're entitled to deduct actual expenses. So you can deduct, you know, rent, you can deduct uh, your electricity, your heating, uh, and for example, supplies that you have, et cetera, et cetera. So you can deduct those, but of course, those expenses have to be prorated based on, based on the percentage of your home office vis-a-vis -vis the rest of your 
home. So if you look at the square footage of your, of your home office versus the rest of your home, if that represents 10% of your home, you're entitled to 10% of those specific expenses. Now, the catch with that method is that the administrative requirements apply, meaning you need a specific form from your employer signed off by them that you're required to work from home. And that's the T2200S. You have to have that form if you want to go with a detailed method. And not only do you need that form, Jerry, but I'm assuming you're also going to need the proper documents to back it up and verify that this is, in fact, accurate and this is, in fact, uh, true and you're not just trying to take advantage of the system. Yes, you're going to need receipts, in other words. That's essentially what you're going to need. So if I'm claiming, for example, a heating cost of X amount, I need to have receipts to prove it. And it's very likely that there's going to be more audits of these claims this year than there were in prior years because so many Canadians now are entitled to that specific deduction, whereas before we weren't. Uh, so that's the key, is that you need to keep your receipts and you need to have that form duly signed by your employer. It is a requirement. Now, if you're electronically filing your return, you don't need to file it with your return, but you have to keep it, you have to hold on to it, and you have to make sure that, everything, that you can corroborate all that information. Yeah, just in case you get the notice that you are being audited, it's always good to have those receipts. That's just a, an important life lesson in general. Always keep your receipts. That way, if anything ever goes wrong, you've got the evidence right there. Uh, Jerry, here's an interesting note. You know, you mentioned uh, submitting electronically. A lot of Canadians, it was news months ago, um, for whatever reason, there was a system issue. A lot of Canadians probably still finding that their CRA account online has been locked. And the process in which you have to go and get it unlocked requires calling in. Uh, what happens to one's tax return if they submit it electronically and they still find that their CRA account is inaccessible? Is there any delays in that? There shouldn't be. There shouldn't be. Those are two completely separate systems. Uh, what, what you're talking about is essentially uh, the My Account portal, the CRA, where That's you right. can actually get a, you get a bird's eye view of, of your tax situation, right? You get your notice of assessments, you can see your slips, etc. That should not prevent anything as far as filing, because there are two different systems. Once you file the return, then the, 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 the system that, that essentially accepts your return will update uh, your uh, My Account portal, but nothing should prevent it. And don't use that as an excuse. So, for example, if, if you don't have those CERB benefits, if you didn't receive those CERB benefits, and you file after April 30th because you're saying, well, I don't have access to the My Account portal, that does not preclude the government from charging you a, a penalty for the fact that you're late. Okay, so you have to absolutely file your return. You know, the My Account, like I said, two separate things. Don't let that prevent you from filing. Go ahead and file your return. There's no code, there's no special codes anymore when it comes to net filing or e-filing your return. Uh, you, can simply, uh, you can simply send it directly. Yeah, it's a very good point, and uh, indeed, I think it's a great reminder. Don't let that stop you. The deadline is still the deadline. The government will still charge you, uh, but you want to go and get that issue sorted out if you find that your account is still locked. I know plenty of people that I know uh, struggling with that right now as it is, but remember the deadline. I think that's the key takeaway here. And you know, Jerry, I wonder if this is the year you would recommend, you know, just looking into some professional service. I know you file their system is so simply laid out that anyone who's, you know, maybe doing taxes for the first time, young Canadians, or even those that are seasoned, uh, go through the step-by-step -step process because they make it so easy. Like, is this the year you would strongly advise people that might have years and years of experience doing taxes? Just be careful because there's new things and you don't want to, uh, you know, you don't want to make any mistakes, certainly when you have so many benefits, new details to be uh, keeping in mind.
I would say you always have to be vigilant no matter what. And, and, and my, my uh, line always that nobody's more vigilant about your own tax return than yourself. Mm. Okay, no matter what. And, and you do, of course, you have uh, professionals that are out there. If your returns are very complex, for example, you're doing uh, rentals or businesses, UFAL supports those two, regardless of the version that you buy. Uh, but if, if you have any doubts, yes, I would uh, absolutely recommend uh, you know, going to, uh, to a professional. But I would say the majority of Canadians and the majority of people who are listening to us right now, your tax returns are very basic in general. For, for most taxpayers, uh, that, ta- that kind of tax return is very basic. Most have employment income, maybe some deductions. You might have some, uh, you know, some RSP deductions. Maybe you've got some medical receipts. Maybe you've got some donations. And for the most part, that's, that's what, that, that, that basically encapsulates most Canadians uh, that are producing returns. That can easily be done with something like UFILE. Now, the good, the good news as well is that uh, now for those who have who still have their my account functioning? Okay, I, I have to preface that. Mm-hmm. Uh, within UFile, you do have an option called autofill my return. Okay, and that's a and that's a federal program where uh, as long as you have your my account portal uh, working and you can you can log into it, you can download your tax slips directly into the software and you can actually import them into the entries. So you don't even need to, so ninety percent of your entries are basically done by the combination of the software with. Uh, with the, pro- with the uh, autofill my return program of the CRA. So that's why I would say for the most part, it is very simply done. Uh, what I recommend to everybody is have a copy of your previous year's tax return when you're producing your current year tax return. That way you make sure you didn't miss anything. Use autofill my return. Therefore, you have no errors in entry and you make sure you've got everything uh, in your file. And the other thing I would recommend, even though it sounds boring, is that, for example, yesterday, we had a budget announcement. So, mm-hmm. for example, I, not, uh, earlier in the week, we had a budget announcement. I would recommend to everybody to look at least at the grand lines of the budget announcements because the government announces things that affect you immediately on your tax return. But by the time you get around to it, when the tax season comes, a lot of people you know, simply ignored it, didn't look at it. And then when you get to the following year, it's too late to do anything about the previous year. So those, are the, those would be the tips I would say. But in general... Most returns are simply done, you know, and, and, and with, with tools like Autofill My Return, you can really do it quite easily with, with a consumer software. It's a uh, trickier year than usual, but indeed, there are ways to make it easier on yourself. Uh, Jerry, appreciate you explaining some of the ways that Canadians could make sure they get the best return possible or just making sure you avoid those key mistakes and errors. He is Jerry Viterados, National Tax Specialist with UFile.ca. Appreciate you giving us some time and your professional insights, sir. Thank you very much for having me again. This is the Shift Podcast. Right or wrong, big or small, John Jang has a take on it all. This is the Big Jang Theory. So is there a right way to use celebrity power and influence during COVID-19 to inspire others to do the right thing? I think there is, but that means there's also a wrong way, and in my opinion, there is most definitely both. Take, for example, this recent conversation between Marshawn Lynch and Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, for those that don't know, Marshawn Lynch is a retired NFL player. For a few years during his playing career, Lynch was one of the biggest stars in the game. Maybe not on the same level and house familiarity as Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, but as a non-quarterback player, he was absolutely one of the most dominant and well-known figures in the game. 
Marshawn Lynch is currently retired, but he's been using his position as a public figure to do a number of things. That includes launching his own businesses. That includes restaurants and his own clothing line called Beast Mode. That was his nickname as a player. He regularly gives back to his community in Oakland, California, where it all started. And for those that don't know, Oakland has a majority African-American community, low-income neighborhoods. But more recently, Marshawn Lynch was invited to have a Zoom call with Dr. Anthony Fauci. That's right, the Dr. Fauci, to inspire young African-Americans to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Here's a small portion of that conversation. Take a listen. The boy, boy, the kid, beast mode, man. Uh, it's a pleasure to 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 meet the uh, the 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 Doctor Fauci himself. You understand me? What's happening, big dog? Thank you. It's good to be with you, Marshawn. No problem. Did you understand anything I just said? <laughs> yeah, I got it. I'm good at that. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. It sounds like we uh like we on path. Yep, we're on a path. Yeah. What's going on, boss man? Well, you know, we're trying to get as much as many people vaccinated against this COVID-19 because this has been a really horrible year uh, for the entire country. We've had over 550,000 people died, disproportionately more uh, African-American and Hispanics than whites. Uh, They get more severe disease, they get more hospitalizations and more deaths. So what we wanna do is to see if we can convince as many people as possible when the vaccine becomes available to them to get vaccinated. And that's the reason why we thought maybe you and I having a conversation about that and chiming in. And since you're such an admired uh, person uh, by everybody, but particularly African-Americans because of your extraordinary career in in football, that you might want to encourage them with me to make sure that people although they may be understandably a little reluctant for a variety of reasons to make sure they wind up getting vaccinated. So what do you think about that? So what I do believe big dog is, I mean, um, you know, that's unfortunate. And, you know, to hear the, you know, you put those numbers out there, uh, you know, it, it make my antennas perk up, but um, I would say more so like, you know, when it comes to like, I'll say like, uh, vaccinations or, you know, government, um, I I don't want to say experiments, uh, but when it comes to like, you know, the government giving back to communities of people that look like me, we don't seem to be on the well-received end of, um, of those situations. So when you say it, it might be a little reluctant, um, you know, for, you know, African-Americans to go and get those, uh, those uh, vaccinations. I mean, I believe it's more of a, of an education type of situation and not so much of the, the vaccination, but anytime we've been told that we was going to be in position to have something, you know, gave to us or put in our, in our community to help us, it seemed to turn out, you know, very bad for us. And then, I mean, it gets to the point where it's almost like. It's almost like they just don't get the right treatment. So that's Marshawn Lynch in conversation with Dr. Anthony Fauci. I had to cut it off there because at some point he does drop uh, some expletives that I can't really share on national radio. But I love everything about this. I really do. 
first of all, as you can clearly tell, there's no filter with Marshawn Lynch. He is what he is, and we love him for it. I don't know if I've ever heard anyone calling Dr. Fauci Fauci-zy, big dog, but there you have it. And I credit Dr. Fauci because he handled it really well. It took it with, you know, the little bit of humor. But when we hear that clip with Dr. Fauci and Marshawn Lynch talking, and it's a really, really compelling interview, I do encourage everyone to go and check that out. I think there is right there a classic, perfect, appropriate use of wanting to connect with a celebrity that is still so relevant to young Americans in this particular example, but just young people in general who obviously know Marshawn Lynch more than they would know Dr. Fauci and trying to use his platform in order to encourage younger Americans to go and get a vaccine. Now, obviously, the United States and their vaccine rollout has been much more successful than what we've got here in Canada, even per capita. But this is doing it the right way. This is understanding, first of all, that medical experts, government leaders, political figures, they are not completely relatable, especially for people that might find themselves as low-income citizens, that might find themselves to be visible minorities, that might find themselves to be designated in a specific part of society that doesn't often get equal treatment. And yes, I do think race plays a role into this, as you heard from Marshawn Lynch and talking about the concern with his history when the United States government tries to go and give back to the African-American community. I mean, he even says it. It doesn't often turn out very well for us. So how is this going to be any different? They're not going to solve that particular issue in a single conversation, Dr. Fauci and Marshawn Lynch. But the fact that you can have an open, honest dialogue between the United States' top medical expert in his field with epidemiology and one of the most influential public figures to young Americans right now, I think there's so much to learn from this that I hope the federal government of Canada is going to do something similar. Now. As I said, there is a wrong way to use celebrity power during COVID-19. And I'll give you an example of that too. In fact, you probably know this by now, but last summer, actress Gal Gadot, aka Wonder Woman, recruited many of her high-profile celebrity friends to put together a montage to the lyrics of John Lennon's Imagine. Take a listen. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Yeah. Imagine there's no countries yet. Ah. <sighs> All right. That was almost instantly ripped apart on social media when it came out because of how patronizing and tone deaf that really was. And if you don't really understand why it turned out that way, keep in mind the people in this particular montage, they're not ordinary citizens that are relatable to you and I and can walk a mile in your shoes. They were famous, high paid millionaire individuals that can purchase and regularly do purchase private health care. 
have access to the world's top medical experts, routinely get VIP treatment pretty much everywhere they go, and can afford not to work during the pandemic and still have millions of dollars to fall back on. Getting together and creating this video and, and basically going kumbaya at a time where last summer, millions of Americans, millions of Canadians were facing unemployment rates that were skyrocketing, financial insecurity, insecurity pardon me, a, a time in our lives that, as we know, is unprecedented at the moment. And instead of trying to just acknowledge the fact that these celebrities have no real understanding of what it's like to have a day-to-day -day concern of those that have mortgages to pay, you know, car bills to take care of, children to feed, children to put through school, all of these things, and not have millions of dollars to our name, it just came out and rubbed everybody, almost everybody, the wrong way. So these two examples, I think, show us that there is a right way and a wrong way to try and use certain platforms with well-known individuals in media, in social media, in the spotlight for whatever they might be or whatever they might do, and trying to maybe inspire a generation, whether it's yours, whether it's the next one, it doesn't matter, but just inspiring people to follow suit, get vaccinated, or at least think about it. Like I said, I hope we're getting to a point now where the Canadian federal government is taking notes and, and is thinking about doing something similar. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.